As we, uh, as we draw our hearts and minds to worship, let us pray. Almighty God, you pour out the spirit of grace and supplication on all who desire it. Deliver us from cold hearts and wandering thoughts that with steady minds and burning zeal we may worship you in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, creator of heaven and earth, grace to you in peace from God our creator and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, peace be with you. My peace I give to you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body. The peace of Christ be with you. When you were buried with Christ in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses, God made you alive together with him. When he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let yourselves be condemned. Let us pray. Wondrous God, you broke the power of sin and death. By your great mercy, you give us new life and living hope. We want to believe in your power and mercy, but doubt grows quickly in our hearts. We turn away from your empty tomb and trust our own strength instead. O oh God, in your great mercy, forgive our unbelief and lack of faith. Reveal yourself to us once again and draw us close to you, that we may know your presence and put our trust in you. Easter is the affirmation that Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. So hear the good news. Those who are in Christ are a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God to whom we are reconciled through Christ and who has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Thanks be to God. Amen. Alleluia. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And so let us live. Let's stand and sing hymn number 310.
As we come to the reading of God's word, let us pray. Lift up your hearts, let us lift them to the Lord our God. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 36 and ending at 48. In this text, Jesus has a post-resurrection appearance to the disciples. Hear now the word of God. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? Why do you doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written, that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we begin a new relationship of any kind, whether it's a romantic relationship between two people, whether it's a relationship of a new child to its parents, whether it's a new relationship in terms of a new job or a new school or a new workplace or a new environment, there are expectations that come. There are expectations that are laid not only upon us as the new person, but also upon the community into which we are coming, or the person to whom we are being introduced. And the expectation becomes one of trying to figure out, usually, what the other person expects, what I expect, and somewhere in between what we can come to agree upon. That whole process is one in which we constantly work at. If it's, if it's a family situation or a marriage or a new job, there's a constant working with the circumstances. How do I fit in? How do I do what is expected of me? And every time something new is added into the equation, everyone has to do some shifting and, and adjusting. Uh, If you're in a job situation and you have a new employee that comes on your team or a new boss, 
uh, that starts giving direction, there's adjustments that need to be made. If it's a new teacher or a new school, um, if it's a new child in the family, every family goes through all those adjustments. Uh, what happens when you know, the baby now has different expectations on everyone's schedule and getting around and getting on? All of that adjusting, all of that working, is in some way in shape a form of reconciliation. A way in which we find ourselves relating to each other in perhaps constantly changing circumstances. In the post-resurrection experience of the disciples, they are still struggling with what next. They are still struggling with the question of, so Jesus has died, Jesus is risen, and we've seen him, but what next? What happens now? In our text today, I think that Jesus is very, very clear. And in what is the Lucan version of the Great Commission, Jesus spells out exactly what God wants us to do. Jesus explains to the disciples, now look, I have fulfilled everything of the law Moses expected. I have fulfilled everything the prophets have expected. And I have filled everything that the Psalter and the Psalms have expected. And this is what's going on. The Messiah, me, came to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. That's the given facts. That's the data. That's the information that you need to know. That is the basis for your own motivation. Everything now is new. Everything is different. Death is not the end of the journey. Because of that, I expect you, Jesus says, to go and tell everyone that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, in my name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, this is a very, very important text because the word witnesses in that last sentence is a real struggle for some of us. If you grew up, uh, some of you who are in your 40s and 50s, you grew up in the years of people like Billy Graham. And you heard words like soul winners, winning souls for Jesus. And we even sang about that uh, in the 1950s and 60s and 70s in our churches. And we were trained to be soul winners. Okay? We were trained to somehow go out and, and bring souls to Jesus. I have some upsetting news, perhaps, for some of you. And that is that Jesus really never uses those terms. In the commissions, both in Luke and Matthew, Jesus says very, very clearly and very simply, you will be my witnesses. Now, in our minds, when we hear the witness, what kind of terms or what kind of conditions come immediately to mind? If I call a witness, I'm, doing, I'm in what context? What mode? Courtroom, right? 
I'm in a courtroom. I'm looking for a witness to a crime or to a deed. Uh, I'm in some kind of legal capacity, whether it's a witness to an accident for an insurance company or a witness to a document that I'm going to file with the courthouse. There is a sense in which that whole idea of witness for us has a verifying process involved. I am verifying something that happened, something that is true. And this is exactly what Jesus is after. The word witness that he uses here in the Greek is the same equivalent word to the witnesses that Moses called for in the Old Testament when there was any kind of legal action. You needed two witnesses. The equivalent for that Hebrew word is the Greek word for witness in the New Testament. And so what does that mean? Does that mean that somehow or other uh, we are simply legal witnesses to an event? How many of you have seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How many of you saw the linens folded on the, on the tomb pedestal? How many of you saw the, the stone rolled away? Hands. Well, then how in the world can you be a witness of this? How can you give witness or testimony that you've seen it? How can we be a legal witness to something that our eyes did not see, our ears did not hear, and our hands did not touch? Jesus says to the disciples, you see the scars on my hands and feet, touch me. Go ahead, touch me. We can't do that. And so how can we be witnesses to Jesus Christ? How can we be witnesses to the fact that the Messiah came and suffered and died and was raised again and is now ascended to God, the Father in heaven? How do we do that? How do you think we ought to do that? I'm just curious. Any ideas? Huh? It takes faith to be able to, to believe that, right? To assume that that's true. To live the life that Christ has called us to in holiness. Tom? Okay. Okay, very good. Yes, Russell. Okay, so... It is a matter of living the life Christ has called us to. It is a matter of bearing witness to the Spirit's work in our hearts. It is a matter of believing what we can't explain. Okay? All wonderful expressions of what it means to be a witness. And those are the way you understand them. And they are all very, very good. Now, why... How, where, and when do we do that? How does this thing come down to 
the way I live every day. What difference is it going to make when this sermon is over and the service ends and I'm on my way again about my busy weekly routine? What difference will it make that I know in my head and perhaps in my heart, feeling the reality of the resurrection of new life in me, what difference will it make? How will it help me? How will it assist me to be what God wants me to be anyway? That, you see, is the task that Jesus lays out for the disciples, and he does not give a great deal of direction to that. There is no spiritual discipleship for dummies manual. doesn't exist. And for many years after the resurrection, the disciples are going to be struggling with what this all means. They're going to be struggling with, how do I do this and when do I do it? Where does, it, where does this all come together? How do I fit into this thing called the mission of God or the kingdom of God? And so our task, like the disciples, is one of struggling with how do I witness to Christ? How do I declare in what I say, in what I do, in how I do, that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and that there is, in fact, hope? I am convinced, whatever his politics were or are, that the attraction in the last election to President Obama was simply the slogan that his campaign chose. And the reason for that is, is that we live in a generation that does not believe in hope anymore. There's no hope in a future. That's why it's all about now. That's why it's all about experience in the moment. That's why it's all about ethics as my own choices and my own reasons and my own rules. The idea that somehow or other there is hope and a future for each of us and for all of us is something that young people struggle with today. There is a reason why people who are under the age of 25 take their lives today. There is a reason why people shoot other people in schools and public places. There's a reason because they don't think there's any future to expect. They honestly don't believe there's going to be a tomorrow. Now, how are we going to make a difference in a world like that? How are we going to help our young men and women, our children, who are growing up in a world where that idea or value is the core prevalent theory of life? It is important for us to understand that Easter is significant for us because it gives us the basis of our hope. If God did not raise Jesus Christ from the dead, then we really believe in vain. This is all a bunch of falderall. It has been for the past 2,500 years. If that is true, 
We are indeed a sad lot. But what you and I know is that that is true. That Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. That Jesus Christ is alive today because Jesus Christ makes a difference in our lives every day. Whether it's facing a trial, whether it's facing a temptation, whether it's facing circumstances beyond our control, the trusting element of Christ in our lives gives us hope. And we need to be able to transmit that to others. We need to be able to say, I hope because. I believe in a future because. I believe tomorrow in tomorrow because. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ is present in my life through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit and is coming again to reestablish all of us in a new living circumstance called the kingdom of God. Those are the facts. Those are the data that we have to believe. And if we can't, if we don't, we have nothing to offer. We can be kind. We can be gentle. We can be thoughtful. We can be uh, generous. But if we don't have anything to share, if there is, in fact, no hope, it's really all in vain. The disciples are struggling. And their struggle continues to this day because Jesus never gave them a manual on how to do this. Every one of them is going to, die, is going to scatter to the four winds. Philip is going to go to, to Africa and Thomas is going to go to India and Peter and, John, and, 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 and Paul are going to go to Rome and John is going to go to Patmos and Syria and Iran and Iraq and they're all going to go scattered all over the world. They're not going to stay in in their little group in Jerusalem. And when that happens, all of them are going to start interpreting this thing called the kingdom of God in their own way. That's why there's different traditions. That's why there are different Christian traditions. It's all a matter of asking ourselves every day, how am I going to demonstrate that I believe, that I have hope in tomorrow, in a future? And if I can communicate that to others, I can be a witness. Maybe that's simply a word that's exchanged. Maybe that's a deed that's done. Maybe that's something that's given or taken, an exchange of some kind. But that is the task of every witness. Not just to talk about it, but to demonstrate its reality in our lives. It's a struggle. It's going to be unique to each one of us. There's no prescription. I can't do that for you. But the task is the call upon each of us to be witnesses in the way God has designed us to be a witness. Let's pray. There is nothing... Uh, more difficult and probably more frustrating, Lord, than the lack of easy answers to this thing you have called 
being a disciple, being a witness. And yet we trust today, we believe, that in so doing, we fulfill our calling and purpose in this world. Give to each of us the ways and means to be witnesses to this thing that we know as eternal life that lives in us and works through us. May our words and our deeds and even our way of being in the world reflect the reality of your life and your love. We ask these things through Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Amen. Together saying, we believe that the missional church proclaims the gospel and is a community where all members are involved in learning to become disciples of Jesus. We believe the Bible is the normative standard of our faith and life while seeking to discern God's specific vocation for the entire community and each one of its members. We believe the Church best understands itself as different from the world because of its participation in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus its Lord. We believe that we are called to be a community that practices reconciliation, indicated by how we behave toward one another. We believe that we are called to practice hospitality, holding ourselves accountable to one another in love. We believe that our vital public witness is the fruit of worship, our central act of celebrating God's presence and God's promised future with joy and thanksgiving. And we believe that as we seek to do these things, we recognize that the Church is itself an incomplete expression of the reign of God. And so we continually seek renewal and recommitment to God's sovereign purposes in our world through the power and presence of God's indwelling Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me in the prayer of thanksgiving in your bulletin. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to offer thanks and praise. Lord Jesus Christ, you have enlightened us with your endless love, your peace, and your forgiveness. Receive and bless these gifts, for we offer them and our lives in your name, to be used to proclaim your love, peace, and forgiveness to all people, beginning right here and right now. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There is in your bulletins uh, announcements. Uh, one of the things, uh, everything there is uh, uh, self-explanatory, I believe, except at the end uh, on Earth Day activities on the 29th, um, the rabies vaccines for our pets are not free. Uh, we got a reduced rate, but we didn't get it free. So every, the, the rabies vaccines will be $5. Okay? It's uh, a discount from off of, off of 12 but we couldn't get it down to zero. So I just want to make sure that everyone is uh, aware before they bring their pet for inoculations uh, that they will be a $5 charge, okay? And we, are, we changed that in the publicity as well.
right? Are there any announcements that did not make the bulletin? Yes, Nancy. Okay, we have a major recycling project. Tomorrow they come to take all the, the recycling, and we need to get the cardboard out from this past week's major food uh, delivery. We need to get that cardboard outside before it starts to collect uh, smell downstairs in the, in the space downstairs. So if we could get some volunteers to help carry out to the curb uh, after coffee hour today, that would be appreciated. As we go forth being witnesses to Jesus Christ and in the reign of God in our world, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now until Christ returns in glory and then forever. And all God's people said,